And it has been. It's just now we're starting to hit that that fast part of the curve of exponential growth where things start happening really quickly and then faster and faster and faster. Yeah. You know what I hate, though? There's always that one douchebag on the Reddit comments that whenever somebody tries to post a milestone for Bitcoin, like, oh, 100 million transactions, that's the big deal for, you know, a network that started from nothing. And then there's always that one douche that's like, Meh, Visa does that many transactions in a week. Meh. And it's like, dude, get the fuck out of here. Nobody's nobody's talking about Visa. Well, welcome to Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, does he understand that, like, what gives the network its strength is the user's acceptance and trust? Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. This show is intended for information purposes only, but we're not experts. We're just two guys within the Bitcoin community. Bitcoin is an experiment in the separation of money and state. You'll be surprised how many will support that. And adoption is the only thing that matters. Welcome to episode number 32 of the Bitcoin Podcast. I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, D. And host number three, Corey. And today's episode is brought to you by the great people at Safe Exchange. So imagine easier dealing about real estate deals, intellectual property, consumer goods, and more. I mean, can you imagine like a, a more hair-pulling scenario than those situations? This is the, the world's first decentralized contract market. And I know that sounds complicated, but simply put, it's just a better marketplace. And here's how it works. So you, you spend SafeCoin to list a contract through the Safe Exchange, and then anonymous potential buyers can see votes of trust and comments from the community on the contract. So a buyer sends money or info to complete the contract agreement, and then it incorporates like a self-governance, autonomous transaction execution and settling. So, for example, you know, if Lionsgate wanted to distribute the Hunger Games film on the Safe Exchange, Lionsgate could store their unique copy to the Safe Network, and and then they could make a contract that demands a payment per view. So, you know, the Revenant and Concussion and the Hateful Eight and Creed, you know, how they all got leaked. Maybe they should have used Safe Exchange. Yeah. Huh. So. This contract can be purchased, consumed, and the clearing of this transaction takes place automatically through the Safe Exchange. So join the Safe Exchange Decentralized Board of Trade at safex.io slash sale. That's S-A-F-E-X dot I-O slash sale. In addition, head over to their website at safex.io. Sign up for their mailing list and join over 1,000 members. And the best part is it'll be fun and easy for anyone to use on their computer. So that's Safe Exchange. And this episode is also brought to you by escrowmybits.com. This too is fast. It's super easy. It only takes three steps. Just register and deposit Bitcoin. The seller ships the item. The buyer checks the goods and releases the funds. And they also offer Bitcoin escrow with a locked exchange rate. So you don't have to worry about euros, yen, uh, compatibility with Canadian money, USD. They, they've covered the board. No problem. So they, they currently offer Bitcoin escrow on a chain peg to a fiat value using new bits. No complex math at the point of sales needed because new bits is the world's first stable digital currency. They charge a small flat escrow fee of 1% on all escrow transactions. And they even offer you the ability to split the fee with the other party. Come on. They've thought of everything. So your funds are kept in a secure two 
or three multi-signature transaction, they only hold one key, the rest are yours. So it was created to solve all the problems wrong with the type of escrow services currently around. And their goal is to make using escrow as simple as possible. So go to escrowmybits.com and sign up for their newsletter to stay up to date. All right, gentlemen, that is all. And I hope everyone had a good Christmas. And they have been keeping their pulse on the Bitcoin news. It's been kind of slow. Yeah? Yeah. Pretty much. Price isn't slow. Price has been up and down quite a bit. It's it's, it's yeah. staying relatively stable, but it's been it's been moving a little bit. It's taking a little bit of a high. Dive. <laughs> no dive. Nah, it's not. I wouldn't call this a dive. It's fine. I know. I just wanted to be dramatic. Oh, <laughs> this fucking guy. Well, it went from four fifty seven to four twenty. That's not a lot for a bitcoiner, but for somebody who like just got in in early November, you know, who's having a blast, like, oh, my money's already gone up to four fifty. Oh my god, I'm gonna be so goddamn rich. This, they're they're flipping out right now. So okay. I just want to re- I just want to calm the nerves, guys. A jump from four fifty to four. Welcome to Bitcoin. Is not that big of a deal. So is is two thousand sixteen going to prove to be the year that the price of Bitcoin surges again? I I think so. I mean, I think Bitcoin is ready. Like it's like that ugly girl that turns out being really really super attractive. And then all the dudes start clamoring for like a bad 80s romantic comedy. And it's ready for all the attention. So, yeah. Like like a music soul child video. Absolutely. Mm. Mm. I, I think we're the only two people in the tri-state area who <laughs> listen yeah. to music soul child. So, uh, so uh, today is a little bit different because we have a super duper informative interview that sadly I missed, but my brilliant co-hosts uh, tackled. And today's guest is uh, Tony Swish, and he's been the director of marketing for Augur since January of this year, so almost a year. And he's not only managed the marketing for their 5.2 million crowd sale, but also he's been responsible for many other successful campaigns using BitPay, and we all know BitPay, so... Uh, if you're not aware of Augur, they're an open source decentralized prediction market built on Ethereum, which we've been hearing that word thrown around a lot lately too. And as a marketer myself, let me just say that like traditional marketing consultants, they're usually not knowledgeable about many like intricacies and unique conditions uh, that the blockchain tech companies face. But I think listening to him, his experiences have like enabled him to study the market, and he's been able to execute like a customized strategy that focuses on like conversations of financial resources. So in a field full of unsolicited emails trying to sell you something with buzzwords and a lot of bullshit, I think he tries to do everything he can to be the opposite. So uh, we got on the show, and it's a pretty, pretty deep interview. So I'll throw it to you, D. Do you think anyone calls him Tony Stark? Nope. Me either. But he can pass for (laughs) Bitcoin's Tony Stark. He's got like the... The facial hair going for him. He is well, using the Terror Squad logo. So, yeah. well, um, you want to just dive right into the interview? Boom. Now let's get him in. Here it. it is. Uh, thanks, Tony, for joining us. Uh, joining us today. Um, as always, we like to try and figure out um, 
it's interesting to see how our guests are introduced into Bitcoin. So do you mind trying to tell us how you how you were introduced, what made you dive in, what made you think about working in the space and really putting a lot of your effort and time into uh, the Bitcoin world? Sure. Um, it's a bit of a unique case because it actually, I would say the roots of all this definitely predate Bitcoin and would go back to when I worked in music. Uh, I worked for a little, a little indie label that was essentially Eminem's label, but I worked for some of the more independent artists on it. And um, it, was, it was staffed by a lot of old school music industry folks. And they were very, uh, very blind to what was happening in the world. And uh, basically what you would see is you would see... Uh, you know, BitTorrent started to get its hooks in. Napster was already, kind of, I think, came and passed by that. So you had the Kazaz and, and all those other things happening. And I, and I distinctively remember um, suggesting that we give away one of the artist's records for free. And the looks I got were crazy. <laughs> and, um, and, and my response was, you know, at this point, this is like seven months into the album cycle. Uh, if, if 100 people download it and one person buys it, that's one more sale than we had before. Well, this line of thinking didn't, didn't really... Uh, uh, go well with them so needless to say my tenure in that aspect of the music industry didn't last too long um but but what i did you know is as i learned a lot and i you know i took the lesson with me and i took that lesson and i i saw something about bitcoin and i'd say 2011 or 12 i don't want to say the first time i heard it because i don't remember but I'm, I'm an internet dork i follow all the little internet uh Internet scenes that vary from different topics, anything from mm-hmm. music to tech to, you know, humor, whatever. And, uh, you know, I was already uh, fascinated by things like mesh nets, just that idea of, of kind of a new Internet. So Bitcoin, really, I didn't put the pieces together until much later, but Bitcoin was definitely something down my alley. So I, I was in Detroit, which is kind of an island when it comes to innovation. It's not a place you want to go to be around innovative I, I don't want to say thinking, but there's no other word I can use to replace it, so I will. Um, and I remember asking on Facebook among my personal network of friends, who here knows anything about Bitcoin? It was crickets, right? This happened yeah. repeatedly. I knew no one. So, you know, when, when you don't know anyone, you have to teach yourself. So I taught myself. Um, I found it very difficult. And this was in an era when, you know, before there were really easy mobile hot wallets. Um, they were right around the corner when I started. So I had to, you know, download, download core, get the whole uh, blockchain yeah. download, which is always mm. fun. And, you know, after I met the challenges, I thought, this is really cool. And then I kind of, it was back to my day-to-day life, which was a job I really didn't like um, in a bureaucratic <laughs> nightmare that a lot of people face. And uh, something happened and, you know, I linked it, I, I, I added it on my LinkedIn, the, the interest in, these, in, the, in this area. And in 2014, very early 2014, a recruiter contacted me, and it didn't take me long to figure out the company that they contacted me on behalf of was BitPay. So as soon as I heard it was BitPay, I knew it was serious. So then I kind of put out all guns a-blazing because I wanted this, right? Not only did I want to get out of what was available in Detroit, this was an industry I was deeply passionate about, and I wasn't going to let this slip through my fingers, even though I really didn't have any experience in tech. So, But I also knew that I had more knowledge than many that market in tech. I, I was very mm-hmm. confident in myself that way. So I put together two 20-page paper, 20-page uh, uh, presentations that were put a lot of time and effort identifying weaknesses and how they could be fixed, and they hired me. And uh, you know, were very impressed by everything I brought to the table. Um, I learned a lot. I learned that if you really want something, you really need to pull out all you know, pull out all stops to get it. And uh, I did. I had a very successful 2014, uh, the first nationally aired Bitcoin commercials, a lot of digital, uh, a lot of digital best practices were mentioning us and just really, really cool things happening. And I always like to reiterate that 
I only handle the digital end of marketing at BitPay. Um, I handle nothing to do with sponsorships, events, conferences. That was not me. Um, and I, uh, but I, but I'm very proud of everything from the digital end because it was done modestly and everything was organic and had a personal touch, which I'm a big fan of. So fast forward, we're in early 2015. I get an offer from Augur. I take it and, uh, a crazy year. And, um, I have to say that getting interested in Bitcoin has changed my life drastically. The technology <laughs> has, but you know what? I, I really see it as an extension of previous technologies that were out there. And this whole mindset of being something that is starting to grow in different industries. And whereas Bitcoin, I mean, I should say BitTorrent was media and, you know, Napster was music. This is finance and this is actually a much bigger deal. And, and what shocked me the most, and maybe it didn't shock me, but surprised me was the, the, when I mentioned earlier the, the reaction from music industry veterans, the financial industry are not dumb. They're not sticking their heads in the sand and pretending this isn't happening. They're, they're seeing what's happening and, and they're, they're a lot quicker and a lot more business savvy than their music industry brethren. So I'll say that. And, and also not an active music industry because at BitPay, I got to work with Warner Brothers and, uh, one of their guys named Jay Shavo is one of the most forward thinking people I've ever met at a record label. Hence why they work with Bitcoin. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I hope, I hope that didn't go on too far, but there is a longer backstory there. And I was like filling those pieces. I'm actually glad you did that. It's, it's nice to actually hear the full story started from, from beginning to kind of where you are now and how things progressed and where you've gone and, and uh, the success story that can come from just being interested in Bitcoin and applying yourself. Absolutely. I also find it fascinating how so we've had so many different guests from so, so like such a diverse background. Uh, you came from music and now you're working in Bitcoin and we found that there's, there's such a diverse background of, of people from different disciplines that that work that end up working in Bitcoin because it's just that awesome. So yeah, and it's not just really that cool. it's and and it's sorry for interrupting. It's not just that it's awesome, but it's also um, something where the industry's so new that if if this was a more established industry, I would have never been able to get my foot in the door like I did here. I, I was before I worked at, before BitPay. Uh, you know, I, I I did start out in music, but I ended up transferring and actually working at a college and again it was not for me for sure but you know I, I had in the past interviewed for positions for tech companies and they they I, I always got the same responses you should have been an engineer which I felt was kind of like saying okay so I don't know what that means all I know is you're not <laughs> so that means that you don't want your marketers to know the te any technical aspects because I'm I'm somewhere in between right I'm not technical enough to be a developer but I'm more technical than most marketers. And I like that. I, th I think that's a definite advantage I have. But it's also something that's, you know, that in the past really hindered me. But in the space now and in my actual day-to-day -day job, it's been a blessing because I, it, it, I can communicate extremely well with developers, I think. I mean, I, again, I'm still, I would consider myself relatively new to the field. But at BitPay, the people that I hung out with all the time outside of work were developers. And they were the ones I actually thought had the best grasp as far as a lot of marketing ideas, a lot of business ideas. And, you know, I think that um, there's there's this old classic marketers versus developers divide when in reality, I think it, it's a lot of misunderstanding. And it's also a lot of uh, what I like to call a Silicon Valley group think for marketing. Mm -hmm. And it's it's made it very non-practical. And now you can't see the forest through the trees. And that's a cliche, but it's true where there's focusing on things that really aren't bringing in business or awareness. Instead, all they're doing is maybe hyping up artificial numbers that aren't great business indicators. And again, I, I credit Detroit. Like, if, if you study the big three even a little bit and you study, you know, those kind of businesses and then the city itself, 
you learn a lot about what really needs to happen for a business to have a long-term future. Um, so I, I can't, you know, a lot of cool things happen that made me very lucky to get insight into things and, you know, have, have good judgment. You definitely do because uh, you actually mentioned to us that when it comes to being a blockchain marketer, uh, there isn't anyone in this space quite with a track record like yours. So you are the man. And Thanks. I mean, I'm talking raising 1.3 million in 26 hours, working with 50 Cent, uh, the most successful social media campaign in blockchain history. What makes you more successful than the next guy? Can tell us about your hustle? Yeah, well, thanks. I, I, and I like the way you phrased it. Um, there, there, I don't necessarily know if I'm the most successful. So when I mention that, uh, I, I do want to say this is that I, I don't know of anyone else. There probably there, there very well could be. Um, I, I just don't know. And if there is, I actually nothing would make me happier than to meet them because I'd love to, to sit under that learning tree. Um, I, I really would. And, and I think that there's going to be more and there's going to be someone more successful than me because that's natural. And, you know, that's normal. And I, I want that to happen because it means growth for the for the ecosystem and just good things for everyone. Um, as far as my hustle, um, can, can you can you re-ask re the main question again? Because I want to make sure I give you an on point answer. Well, the main question was what what makes you more successful than the ah. next guy? What? OK. What what do you do uh, to make your marketing I guess, ventures so successful. Okay. Thank you again for repeating that just so I'm on point. Um, I would say that uh, it's, a, it's a really a multitude of things. One thing I would say is a lot of projects, and this is something, you know, the Ethereum space is even younger than the Bitcoin space, but I just so happen to see a lot of cool projects coming out of this space right now. But what happens is th there might be, you know, one developer working on something, right? Maybe they'll have a friend helping them out. They don't really have any funding, which is fine. You know, it's not, it's accept that's acceptable. You've got to start somewhere. But what they'll do is they'll think, okay, we need marketing. My cousin really knows Twitter. Let's hire my cousin. And that is, and now I'm not dissing anyone's cousin, but uh, <laughs> it's not necessarily a key to success because, you know, they, do they know the space? Do they know real, do they know like the real benefit that social media brings? Or do they know what they've read from clickbait type articles on like Mashable.com or whatever site likes to hype up BS that they can sell to naive people looking for easy ways to do work that, you know, that, that may be a, better than others. And, and there really isn't one. And that's the thing is, you know, it, all this hype I see about social media, a, a lot of it, it it's so overhyped. It's, it's, it's a great communication tool and it's cool to have. But if you're depending on the success of your product on social media, you know, then you, your product it will probably fail because it probably means you don't have a good product. Be that a project, software, a physical good, whatever it may be, right? That, that's something that a lot of people go into naively is thinking, okay, we just need a Kickstarter and bam, we're in. Well, no, no, really no. Um, there's, <laughs> there's so many reasons that's not that there's a no there. And, and, you know, it starts from, is your idea good? Is your product viable? Is there a market for it? And then it goes to, um, how do you explain this product? Is it something super complicated like Augur? Or is it something relatively simple like Dollar Shave Club? I mean, I hate using that as an example because it's an overused one, but it's easy and most people that do study marketing are familiar with it, at least modern marketing. So it, it's about knowing that, right? And, and also, I'd say something I learned and that I, I, as reinforced every turn I make is marketing does not mean spending money, right? Um, spending money is the last thing that anyone should do when marketing. Um, everyone at Augur and at BitPay will tell you, I, and I, and I don't know a classy way to say this, I'm notoriously cheap, right? Not, you know, I'm not a nickel <laughs> timer where, yeah, frugal, <laughs> thrifty, thrifty. No, 
I, I don't like spending money unless I need to. And, and I don't know if I can share this, but oh well, I'll, I'll, I'll summarize. The, my budget at BitPay was remarkably low. Like I'm talking insanely low that shocks people when I tell them. And th- that to me was everything it's all about because the best marketing is usually free. Um, a good example, right? Um, and and at at BitPay, um, we were in a, in a time where you know we were in competition with others, and they were signing up large merchants, and we were signing up large merchants. So while you know we couldn't sign up a Walmart, I knew that there were people and and people I could reach out to to maybe make some other things happen. So things like Fifty Cent happened, right? Now, as a business move, and maybe I'll get crap for saying this. I apologize if I do, but I don't want to. As a business move, the 50 cent deal did not bring a ton of business to, to um, whatever company was gonna, you know, he was going to use for crypto, uh, to accept crypto. It wasn't going to bring a ton of business. What it did bring was a lot of awareness and essentially free marketing. And that's what I'm all about. I'm all about mm-hmm. making, m- getting as much as you can from the least. And, and I'm going to fast forward that to something, probably the proudest thing I've been a part of in my, in, I don't want to hate to use the word career because that sounds lame, but in my entire working history, right, was that How Augur Works video. Um, I worked with uh, uh, one of my best video. friends. <laughs> thank, thank you. I, I do too. And I worked with one of my best friends from high school, actually, who animated it. He's so talented. And he's, he's done a lot of big corporate things, but he loves this whole space, right? And he's a friend, so he did it. He went out of his way and moved around his schedule to work with me. I asked a good friend in Shooter Jennings to narrate it. He had access to a, an XM radio studio where he hosts his country show, so we had a great, we had a great uh, mic. And then Jack just happened to be surfing YouTube and found the perfect background music from the team. So all these pieces came together, and that to me is how you spend money right. Because that one video is something that I can send to reporters. I can send it to you. I can, I can show it to my mom. I can send it to anyone who wants to learn about a really complicated topic in under two minutes. It's done in not a lighthearted way, but in a way that feels very safe. It's kind of folksy, but not forced. And, and, and there's so many ways that that thing, to me, was a home run. And, and it was also, what a lot of people haven't realized, is it really was a lot of people's introduction to, to, to Augur. And it did really well. And this was back before Augur was, and everything else was banned on our Bitcoin. But that was a very top page. I think it was a top page number one or number two link for the day. It was it was uh, oh, for released. Sure. It, got a and, lot of, it got a lot of press, yeah. and, press and, and attention for a while. Exactly. And more importantly, and I know this because someone told me this firsthand, that was the reason we were accepted and did so well at the Exponential Finance uh, Conference challenge thing from CNBC and Singularity University. And, and they, they accepted me the next day because I remember I was on a road trip. And the next day I get a call of them saying, yeah, we've accepted you already. In fact, your video is so strong, we think you're going to make it to the finals. So um, if you can't call us back. And I was like, whoa. And then I realized, <laughs> okay, this is, this is something kind of special. And since then, it's only proven that fact. It's become by far the most viewed prediction market video. I think the number two one was 20,000 hits, and it's also an auger video. And that thing's near 200,000 hits. So, um, so you know, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's done wonders. And that's just one example. But... It was one of the first, the first introduction to many people with Augur. Not only was it the first introduction with many people to Augur, I think it was the first introduction to prediction markets in general. Yeah. And like you said, it's it's you need like marketing has to be behind a good product, and it seems just from the endorsements you've gotten with the big names you've had, Eric Voorhees, Brian Armstrong, they're, they're quoted in, as endorsing Augur and really behind you as among, amongst the many people. So. 
you're kind of in the hot seat. People want to know where you're going. How's the alpha test going? And are, are there any unforeseen things that have developed during your your development and process? Um, let me let me rewind and answer one thing regarding the uh, endorsements we received first, and then I'll answer your other question. Um, mm-hmm. I would say that you know the endorsements we received, and the re- and, and a lot of people have asked me this is you know, and, and and this is partially because a lot of the people from the Ethereum team, when someone asks them. How should we market our project? Say, oh, just copy Augur or see what Augur did and do what they did, <laughs> which is fine with me. I mean, honestly, it is. But it's also flattering because it proves that we did a good job. But, you know, the reasoning we were able to get some of these is that from the beginning, from step one, and, and I can't harp on, there's probably, there's any point everyone listening to this wants to take home, this is it. <laughs> we were completely transparent. Our full names were on there. Our pictures were on there and a biography was on there of all the entire team. We weren't known by handles. That were anonymous. And, and contrary, there, we would actually get tweets from people trolling, especially during the crowd sale, that would claim we were anonymous. And th- they were the kind of people where you would correct them and then they'd have another issue and you'd correct them and this could go on and on and on for 10 or 12 tweets until eventually you go, okay, this person is just, you know, just clearly Troll. doing this. Just, yeah. <laughs> so you know what, you need to know when to stop it. And of course they go, well, this is where I caught them. And then, and you go, okay, well, you know, we can't spend all of our time doing this. So, Either way, we, we were as transparent as possible, all of us were, because we all believe in this, so why wouldn't we be? So there's a reason that Augur did well, at least in the crowd sale and in visibility, and others have not. Um, and that's really why. I cannot harp on that enough. Authenticity and being genuine and being honest, honesty is great. And in marketing, it seems like that's a polar opposite of our honesty. It seems like so many marketers want to spin things and... You know, if I had my way, and I, I don't always do, you know, obviously, it's still a team. I would be completely honest about everything, good and or bad, and we, we have been, really. But And so when I said we don't get our way, I don't mean in this. But if you're 100% honest with people, you'd be surprised by how loyal people will be to you. Because there aren't a lot of companies, projects, businesses that do that anymore. It's old school as hell from, you know, the, the, the cool family that owns the general store down the street that treats you right. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to be said about that, and it can be carried over to any industry, any project, regardless. Now, on to your other question. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was saying, I think that the, the, the current rise in technology, the transparency of Bitcoin and the internet allows for this kind of hearkening back to the old days of getting to know who you're working with. You, you can look up everything about the company that you're, that you're trying to do business with nowadays and, say, and make a judgment on whether or not you like them just because the technology is there. And Bitcoin really allows for that transparency for, for value transfer. You're totally right. But the thing that I, the, the problem I see with that, though, is, is more lack of sophistication on the user end is there's still a lot of people. There's a reason those Nigerian scam emails still circulate. Right. And that's because there's still <laughs> a small group of people that pay for pay that. And that makes you realize mm-hmm. how many people get suckered in by this trying to get rich quick. And, you know, the people that take advantage of them to me are the scummiest of the scum. So when someone compares me to them. It, it actually hurts. They, they, one of the worst things, and this, this was the worst, when the crowd sale from Augur started, an associate of mine at BitPay, and I hate using the word associate, a coworker of mine at BitPay, uh, <laughs> called it a scam. And, and that bothered me. Like, that, that actually, like, I, this sounds lame and kind of wussy, but it hurt my feelings because I'm like, you know me personally. Like, I'm not saying we were best <laughs> friends, but I would hope you would know enough to say, you know, not accusing me of scam publicly. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and exactly. And that sucked because, you know, all I could do is say, okay, well, I'm going to do everything I can to prove that, you know, he's publicly shown wrong. And, you know, and, and there's others. Like, my, my favorite is this cat. I don't remember his Twitter name. It's Blue Meanie something. It was a Beatles reference. And he was the king of all trolls, man. 
I'm pretty sure he, he was on the dole for some large bank or something because the way he would attack it, that's all he did with his life. And, you know, you, you, you get these people that would never be happy. And the cool thing is, though, is that the further that the, uh, that auger and the crowd sale went on, those voices just kind of disappeared. And you kind of realize, okay, we're seen in this space as credible. And, you know, we want to keep this up. We're never going to change anything that we're doing. But it's nice to actually be in the position where, the people that are interested in your project are important names that can either can, you know, you can call for advice or you can ask advice. And I can't I can't say enough positive things about people like Brian Armstrong. Right. I was a BitPay guy. He's a Coinbase guy. And I, he's been awesome. I'm not saying, you know, we, we've talked tons, but every time I've dealt with him, it was just so professional, so polite and just so nice. And every it's not everyone, but almost everyone in this scene has been that way. And I've met so many cool and awesome people. Um, and, and I, I do want to go on to your other question. Can you? I know it was about development, and if there was any. Oh, just how's Arger doing? Is there is there anything going on from the alpha testing that it's kind of an mm-hmm. unforeseen success or um, anything interesting that you've seen um, there so far? The first thing I would say is I'm not a developer, so I'm not privy to you know all the weekly. I mean, other than you know the weekly or whenever there can be updates for the rest of the non marketing mm-hmm. team, which is really me or non um, development team. So. I, I don't know all the little intricacies. Uh, all I do know is it is going well. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, issues that have been brought to our attention, which is exactly the point. Um, things are roughly on schedule um, as far as that goes. Yeah, I mean, the, the cool thing is is um, the team has, and this is everyone on the team, has really learned from others' mistakes. And that's why I originally I was actually going to leave Augur after the crowd sale. But they were very happy with me and wanted me to stay on part-time through the, you know, until the full release. And I, of course, I couldn't turn that down. I mean, even if I didn't stay on, I was going to stay on as a marketing advisor because invested. I, I want this to succeed, even if yeah, I wasn't was great and you wanted to be yeah. great. Exactly. But thankfully, they the data showed how how much I brought to the team. And, you know, they kind of saw that and were like, you know, we, we need you still on here. So I was flattered. And I was like, cool, this way I can do other things, too. And, um, you know, that is the kind of thing where, OK, now our resources are more devoted to the two new hires we have on the dev team. And there may be more kind of in discussions on that. But the focus really, really is on uh, development, which means that as a non-developer, um, I'm not as in the loop as, as I probably should be. So I like, again, I'm, I'm all about being honest. Um, I, I do know that there hasn't been any major hitches. There hasn't been any major you know, snags. Nothing is you know, crazy broken or you know, there's nothing that's not, we're still on a rough schedule that we've been on the entire time, but it's tech. I always like to tell people this because, you know, Ethereum did the, did the thing where they would announce dates and they got tons of, tons of controversy. Yeah, that's, that's a hard thing to do when you're developing which, such a large project. Which is why I'm reiterating over and over again, we're a small team and none, none of the dates should be seen as any more than a very educated guess. Um, and, you know, we, we, we all knew that Ethereum was going to happen, which, especially us because we were working hand in hand with them. But to see all the all the skepticism from the community was kind of disheartening because the project was very real. And and the people, it seemed like a lot of folks come from the investment side of the world, don't understand technology. They've never waited for a video game to come out or something. And when, <laughs> when, you, when you live that life, you go, okay, it's tech. This is how it works, right? We're going to try to hit this timeline. But if we don't, you know, we want to be open about that. So that's all I can say on that. Not that I'm saying that to protect us from some from something that's happening because nothing has happened. We're still on that pace. We would like to get everything up and running before the election, obviously, because, you know, that for us is kind of our, you know, our, I don't know how you would say it, our big debut where we want to, you know, show show off what we're doing. 
Um, but you know, it's technology. So there's always going to be hitches and snags and things like that. The, the thing I would always recommend is anyone listening to this, uh, don't listen to me on this. Join our Slack. Um, our, our Slack is open to everyone. You can answer, ask questions. And what's cool is we now have such a cool community. It's, it's still small, but there's so many people that are educated and that are following our GitHub page for the project that they can answer a lot of the questions that are not even, a, you know, officially parts of the team. So our, our Slack's a great community, and our auger on Reddit is another awesome place. Like, you know, ask if there's a certain thing that you're curious about, ask. I mean, I might not be able to answer it, but part of what makes my, I should say, a lot of what makes my job awesome is working with people like Jack and Joey that are so proactive. Um, I've Joey, wow, he's the most impressive person I've ever worked with in my entire life by a wide, wide margin, and I can't say that enough. Um, and, and obviously, Jack's brilliant too, but. With Joey, when you realize that Augur is his first real job, and I just did air quotes when I said that, blows your mind. The maturity of him, just the maturity he has, the knowledge from different areas. Like, I, I, I don't like to make, uh, uh, what was I going to say? I don't like to make comparisons of people, but all I will say is he is the, the biggest hidden secret of this entire space. I can't say enough positive things about him. And hmm. he even gets marketing ridiculously well. He's just... Uh, all-around genius and he i can't say again enough positive things about him but they make my job a lot easier because of how proactive they are okay so just a few more questions about Augur. Nope. Just we got time at least i got time <laughs> <laughs> i got plenty we got, we got some time we got some time. <laughs> i'll answer whatever you got for me so um would you mind uh just clearing up for our listeners how the reputation tokens work for Augur? sure and um, this is kind of one of the more complicated uh, issues. And it's also the one where my elevator pitch is still not 100% refined. Oh, practice yeah, makes yeah. better practice. Yeah. Here you go. I, you have no idea how <laughs> I practice this. But what happens is uh, verbiage is, is really where the challenge is. And um, basically, we're, I'm assuming we're on this podcast, so everyone's going to be familiar with decentralized technology, which does make it a little bit easier. Um, so the token in, the, in Augur, in the project, is called Reputation. Um, so when I say reputation for the next couple minutes, it's going to mean the token or rep, R-E-P, one of the, was the, the unofficial, you know, well, I guess it's now the official three letter acronym for it. Um, so what happens is during the crowd sale, we sold rep. We just, we are, there are 11 million reputation tokens in existence. Now, much like any crypto asset, they can be traded on exchanges and pretty much do anything else anyone else can do. Now, what they do for the Augur system itself is they allow the person that owns the token, or I should say they don't allow them, they really more require the person that owns the token to report on events and get that real-world data into the blockchain. Essentially, they serve as Ether they serve as Augur's oracle. So if you have a market, you know, Hillary versus Bernie Sanders for the primary, um, and you create that market. What needs to happen is once that ends, let's say Hillary wins, um, what needs to happen is there's no way for, that block, for the blockchain to know that Hillary won unless someone puts the data in there. So reputation works like this. Everyone who owns reputation reports on events. So they say, okay, Hillary won and submit, and they submitted their report. Now, when, those, when the reporting period is over, what will happen is they're all – tally this is all done automatically hence smart contracts and what happens is those who told the truth get rewarded by receiving more uh, uh, reputation tokens either from mm. either mostly from market fees or 
what hap- what also can happen is if you report dishonestly, they're taken away from you and you're punished by losing tokens, which also goes to those who report honestly. This encourages every, everyone participating in the markets to report honestly as if they vote with consensus, then they will get rewarded. And sorry about the beep in the background. I didn't shut everything off. So um, <laughs> I fixed that, though. Um, so essentially, uh, they serve as the oracle in the system. And the way we have it planned is for every eight weeks, there will be a reporting session where people that own reputation will have to answer a bunch of questions. Um, the other thing is, uh, if you do fail to re- fail to report on events, uh, you would also lose reputation. So we want people that buy reputation that are active, that are participating in the markets, because without them, this whole this whole thing, you know, it, it doesn't really work. Um, and one of the things we pressed during the crowd sale, and again, no one believed us, but as you know, of course they hear crowd sale and they think, you know, oh, they're just trying to raise money. Is for us, it was more important that that it remained as, as decentralized as possible. We would rather have one thousand people buying, you know, one thousand people uh, rate and raise a million than one hundred people buying in and raising five million because it makes it as decentralized as possible. Thankfully, it it, it appears to have been very decentralized and. Uh, from the crowd sale data that we have, of course, there are ways to kind of, you know, we know, we never really know because proxies can be used, you know, so you don't know. But mm-hmm. uh, for the most case, we're very confident that it's very uh, distributed. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's basically Augur, the, the Augur reputation token system in a nutshell. Um, it is unique and it's new. And it, it, that's one of the more interesting things is when I joined Augur, I had to learn a lot about Oracle systems, and it's that that's now when I look at all these different dApps that are coming out, is seeing how they're handling this problem, and um, it's one that I'm still wrapping my head around because again, I'm the marketing guy, right? So I still need to know about this, but I, I don't claim to have the the background and expertise that a lot of others do uh, from the dev side and from the market side, really. So um, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting and it's a cool idea there. There's a great video, uh, actually, the, the video I made, which means it's not as good as the rest, but it's uh, pretty mm-hmm. decent, is uh, basically explains reputation tokens. And, um, you know, I would say if you go to YouTube's, uh, if you go to our channel on YouTube, I believe it's um, youtube.com slash auger network project. Couldn't get auger project for some reason, but auger network project. And that has the how rap works video. And I, I, if there's any way that we can, I can maybe share these videos with you so they can be distributed. We can, yeah, I'll actually find those and I'll put them in the show uh, notes so people I'll can send, look at them. I'll send them to you. So yeah, oh, great. because there's two or three videos I'd like to share. So yeah. And that, that answer that it kind of explains it all in a cool visual way in about two minutes. That's so perfect. essentially in a nutshell, reputation gives a incentive to be honest. Yep. Pretty much. Yes, we have an awesome uh, blog post. I think Jack wrote it called The Decentralized Lie Detector. Um, and uh, <laughs> it, it, it's pretty cool. And, and also another recommendation, check out our blog post, right? We have a very open policy of any team members that want to write a blog. As long as it's not crazy off topic, we let them write it. So you have some of the most technical mind, technically minded posts from Jack, Joey, some guest bloggers too, to some of them from me that are a little more you know, marketing centric and I, one of the coolest ones I did was I spoke with Robin Hansen, who's kind of the godfather of this whole prediction market idea, because um, he's one of our best advisors. I wouldn't say best because that's a hard thing to quantify, but he's he's been a super helpful advisor for the project. And I was able to get like a 10 or 15 minute talk with him while also kind, kind of giving the marketing perspective analysis of a couple of his papers. And uh, I, I recommend that. I was pretty proud of that because it's it's very rare that I deep dive into the deep end, but I wanted to in that aspect in a... I did. It's not as, you know, I'm sure it's not as uh, 
uh, I don't know what the word would be, but sophisticated as other, uh, you know, different fields would be in analyzing it, but it is pretty unique because it is a marketer that's writing it. So, um, yeah, our blog's awesome. I, I love it. And I love our, everything we write on there is great. And it's, uh, really, there's no other than maybe a quick proofread. We, we try to get it out there and it's our voice. That's really, good. That's really good to hear. I, I like hearing from the, the people who make businesses, but uh, to, to kind of change the, the pace a little bit, or not change the pace, but flip the idea. I mean, Augur is built on a lot of complicated things, reputation, mm-hmm. Bitcoin, Ethereum. Um, there's a lot. There's a very large learning curve to the back end of how Augur works. Even prediction, prediction markets themselves aren't necessarily easy to grasp. As a marketer, Absolutely. how do you tend to focus selling it? Are you, I mean, because you may be going after financial people, so you're not trying to sell them on the back end way of the efficiency and how it functions, but more along the lines of how it's better than what they've been working with in the past. It, what do you tend to do? Well, that's a good question. Um, and, and there's also been different phases as far as marketing, right? Um, phase one was really focused, what I would label as phase one was focused on the pre-sale. So that were the crowd sale. That was making sure that the crypto community knew about this project, what it's about, were educated on prediction markets, and also that the more technically minded prediction market community knew about it too. So that was phase one. Phase two is purely dev. My role is very minor. There, there is a cool little project I'm working on right now. can't speak on it right now, but there, there's going to be cool things from the marketing end happening still, but they're going to be at a slower pace. Um, phase three will be once the launch happens, and that is when um, it's going to be a little more focused. Not, not more focused, but it's going to be a little different from everything else. And we're still you know, in the process of figuring out all the pieces that go to that puzzle. Because um, what we want to do is we want to make sure everything's really cost effective. And, uh, and, and that's something that you know, I'm focused on more than anything else. So as far as that goes, um, that's kind of where, where I'm at for that. Um, now what you were saying, again, I, I do, I do apologize that I asked you to keep it repeating. It's been a long day and I get much sleep either, but, uh, you, you did basically ask about, uh, the diff- was it the difficulty? Explain it one more time. So that you have, I mean, all of this is built on a very complex yes. network of, of how things work fundamentally on the back end, but I would think as a marketer, you can't really focus on that when you're trying to pitch it to somebody. Right. What do you, what do you tend to tell people or how, what is your marketing strategy for talking to people who can't get past that steep learning curve or would would you even consider that learning curve a handicap for Augur's growth? I wouldn't call it a handicap, but I would call it a huge challenge. And again, I apologize for my brain not working completely today. I don't, it's not a, it's not a processor yet. So I don't (laughs) have that accuracy. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah, they are. Um, Basically, when it, when it comes to that, there's a, a lot of different ways because um, the cool thing is, and I discovered this, I don't even think anyone on the Augur team knew this, but I, uh, I'm a big Nate Silver fan, right? Um, everyone on the team, I think, is as far as I know. And I don't know how familiar you guys are with Nate Silver. Are you? No. Can you, can you elaborate a little bit? Absolutely. Um, he is responsible for a lot of the thought behind that money ball movement in baseball the statistical analysis. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. I yes. That. So yes. Here, here's the cool thing is he actually has a site called 538.com. He, he grew to be pretty famous. I think it was the 2008 election when he predicted almost every district right for the presidential election. And Oh, what, yes. I remember this too. And, mm. and can, I, can I use a curse word on here? Am I, do I oh, go ahead. We do it all the time. <laughs> he, it's not even a bad one, but um, he, someone got offended when I said the same word, and I'm like, oh, it's weird. Uh, he really stirred the shit when it comes to uh, punditry, political punditry. Uh, and what he did was he basically came out and said, pundits are useless, right? 
polling the way it's done is very inaccurate and there are many there's many better ways i have one of them prediction markets are another one of them that that this data can can be gathered and of course you know pundits didn't like this so what happened was he was first hired by new york times and he didn't fit in right there there's all kinds of fun articles about how there was a culture clash and all this other nonsense from the typical the typical lines you hear from someone trying really hard to protect their jobs from someone who has a better method, really. There's no other <laughs> yes. way to explain it than that. And so he left, and what happened was ESPN signed him to a deal similar to Bill Simmons with Grantland, and he's now doing 538, which is politics and sports, and with a very, uh, I would say, a Bayesian, a Bayesian viewpoint when it comes to the statistical analysis, something that yes, very is hugely so. influential to... Everything I do, Bayesian statistics, hugely, I recommend anyone study it, regardless of what your field is. But anyways, um, Nate Silver in 2012 wrote a piece on prediction markets and essentially uh, said something that would really be auger. And I'm actually trying to be fast and pull it up, and I'm not. But what, what happened was, in this 2012 piece, he's trying to talk about how there would be a prediction market sooner or later where it would be much more accurate than his model. And his statistical model is one that is seen as the gold standard. And here's his exact quote. It says, it would be useful to have a dozen 538-like models in the public sphere. The consensus of models or forecasts is very often better than even the best-performing members of the group. Now, there's that. That that doesn't exactly explain Augur, but what you have to do is realize that Augur is the very first global prediction market to ever exist. So, So the level of expertise is not limited to one region. So whatever subject it could be from, when, when will the cure for cancer be found? Well, that question is now not only open for people in North America to participate in the market on, now it's open to every country in the world that has Internet access. So all of the expertise of those world doctors are going to be able to participate in that. Um, and, and that doesn't seem huge, but when you realize that now there's a new way to financially incentivize human breakthroughs, it kind of is huge. And, mm. and, you're, and, and these are things that never could have existed before. Um, so the global aspect is one that I feel is very uh, underreported when it comes to how successful this could be because everything else has been limited to one region. This is global. And, and the other thing that adds is you know, the, 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 the decentralization part ensures that people will be able to receive their funds if their market matures because – in previous markets, what happens if you create a market that doesn't mature for another 10 years? You have to surely hope that whoever operates that prediction market is still in business and that they're honest wise. to honor a 10-year-old, a 10-year-old uh, market. Uh, with us, it's done in the blockchain. You know, I mean, barring you know, a major catastrophe, there's, there's no way that someone can finagle their way out of pain. And the little things like that that no one really thinks about are the kind of things that Augur, I don't want to say fixes, but... Augur provides a very, very solid solution to that hasn't been, hasn't happened in the past. So, uh, so when it comes to marketing it, sometimes I focus on those aspects more depending on who the crowd is. Is the crowd a financial crowd? Is it a tech crowd? Is it a Bitcoin crowd? Is it a general crowd? Is it someone who just, I, I spoke at my college. Mm-hmm. And when I'm speaking to people at that college, they're not any of the above. They're complete layman in every sense of the term. Yeah, so, no. um, you know, I have to kind of have a different approach. So, really more about knowing your audience there than anything else. And you don't always know. And sometimes you hit a home run. Sometimes, you know, you strike out. Absolutely. I'm actually, uh, I'm really into data science and I, I think Augur will be, I can't wait to dig my hands into it and really get into the data that that pumps in to how this prediction market works. 
And that, that the Nate Silver piece you talked about was a really big hit for the data science community in general. Or not a big hit, but I mean, it was great for them because it was one of those instances that it's like, well, if you just look at the numbers, it works out pretty easy. And oh. Augur is essentially a platform to provide all of those numbers. Absolutely. And, and, and while you're mentioning Nate Silver, one book I really recommend anyone listening to this, if you have any interest in this, is The Signal and the Noise. Um, wonderful book, book he wrote. I, I really like him. And you know what else is funny? Is, um, and I didn't even know this until recently. Is I, I actually hosted a podcast called Decentralize. And we were kind of known for having very unique guests, right? One of the guests we had was this guy by the name of Steve Albini, who produced things like Nirvana's In Utero. Um, he produced for a lot of really, really big artists from Cheap Trick and um, I, I can't even, Iggy and the Stooges, to huge names, right? One of the most famous producers actually in the world. Also probably the smartest musician uh, when it comes to business that exists. And I was able to have him on the podcast. And it turns out that him and Nate Silver are good friends that play poker together. And, <laughs> uh, and yeah, and, and I, I can't say enough good things. Steve Albini is one of my heroes, and especially in how he does business. And I... Uh, you know, very honest, like he, he could charge all of these bands mil- up to millions for his services, but he still charges a low amount so he can still work with the, the neighborhood garage band and just little things like that that I really admire because I think that what's more important for any business than, than immediate profit is to stay in business, right? In, in school, <laughs> I was always taught uh, the, goal of a, the goal of a business is for profit, right? Or shareholder value for a corporation. And I always disagreed with that. I go, no, it should be your second goal. Your first goal is to stay in business. And sometimes short-term sacrifices pay off huge in the end. See this Tylenol recall case in 1980, and you realize, okay, there's a lot to this. There's a lot to, you know, just not always going for the quick buck and thinking about the long term and treating people right. And, um, yeah, I know this is kind of off topic, but it's something that I'm kind of passionate about. And that whole conversation I had with Steve Albini really opened my eyes, and he's turned into one of my heroes. And it's cool to see some of these people associated with each other. Awesome. You sa- it sounds like you're very passionate about what you do, and that, and obviously, Thanks. you know that, you know that's paying that you're bearing fruit because all this passion that you finally and energy <laughs> that you put forth towards your project seems to be working. Yes, and so, I but we're gonna wrap it up real quick and ask you probably the hardest question we've asked you tonight. Okay. It is in 10 words or less. Can you describe Bitcoin? You're right. That is the hardest question you've asked me. Um, I would say, (laughs) I would say it is, um, the internet controlled by people. Wow. That's a unique one. Or users. And I, I take it, and, and, and again, that's with no thought off the top of the dome. Um, I, I, take, I take Bitcoin a little different than a lot of others. Um, I don't, as you mentioned off air, I think, when you were mentioning the price, I'm like, oh, I didn't even pay attention. I, I, I don't really care about the price. It's re- and when I say that, I mean that. Like, I'm not, I'm, it's next to irrelevant to me. The only you're reason not the guy relevant. who bought and hold and waiting. That's not what you're in for Bitcoin no. for. No, not at all. Um, not even in the. Cl- I, I own a little bit, but it's not. You know. Well, that's just not, smart. That's not your, your. That's not your livelihood. It's no, not no. the reason and, why you're doing it. And actually, I've noticed the more I'm in this scene, that a lot of those folks are making it very hard for a lot of the projects that are the coolest projects in the space to even get attention. So I've almost come to be a little antagonistic toward a few of them. Although some of them are great people, but um, it, it's just very much that. Uh, I see it as this technology, and that, and that's kind of why I'm loving the Ethereum space because what I've noticed, and, and this is just an anecdotal thing, is that a lot of the brightest folks that were developing on Bitcoin 
have moved over to the Ethereum community. And I was sitting there watching and I was, this is one of, it kind of broke my heart, but I was asked to speak at DevCon by Vitalik personally, but I couldn't for a multitude of reasons. And I ended up giving the same presentation at my college and filming it so everyone could see it, but it did break my heart. But what I did do is I watched all the presentations of all the dApps at home. Now, mind you, they only had like 15 minutes, but wow, I'm seeing all these cool ideas, just big thinkers, and not once was the, the price mentioned, right? And I'm just saying like, this is kind of what I want the Bitcoin community to be, and I hope they learn something from it because um, it, it's so interesting. There's not a lot of drama. There's not, it, it, I, I mean, it, it will come, don't get me wrong, because it's growing and it's growing very naturally and organically the way it should, but um I, I think studying that really just shows something great, just something, uh, an awesome community, uh, really passionate about a technology full of brilliant individuals. And that's from Vitalik and Joey to, you know, there, there's so many other smart people that I met and uh, I'm still meeting them. And some of them, I don't even remember their names because there's so many of them. So um, I, what I am hoping is that I'll get to speak at DevCon next year because uh, marketing is one of the weaknesses I think a lot of the projects have. And I really... Even if they're not ever interested in, you know, using me or hiring me ever, I want to leave every project with a little bit of knowledge, even if they can do it on their own, of how to better present themselves, because I'm in it for this whole space to grow. So uh, if, if I can help that out a little bit, I'm in, and, and I would love to participate in that again, because that conference blew me away and was the exact opposite of almost every Bitcoin conference I've seen. Well, we definitely feel the same way, and when I, hopefully this podcast can help get that message out there for you a little bit. Absolutely. And the one thing I would like to plug is obviously augur.net and the other is tonysakich.com. That's T-O-N-Y-S-A-K-I-C-H. You can kind of get a little bit about me and, and my blog is now on there. So I'm trying to uh, keep that more updated and you can follow me at Twitter at Tony Swish or augur at augur project. We will awesome. add those to the show notes as well. Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you very much, Tony, for stopping by the Bitcoin podcast. It's been a lot of fun, guys. Uh, we appreciate your time. Appreciate having me on. Again, it's been a lot of fun and one of the more fun interviews I've had in a while. I love when it's mostly marketing because a lot of times it's a lot of development talk and I'm the one who has to shut up, which I should. But with marketing, I can talk and talk, and talk <laughs> so I love it. Th thank you, guys. It really is, is an honor. Awesome. And that was Tony Swish. Coming to us from Augur, Augur Network, that is a prediction market, a decentralized prediction market. And what basically the way it works is you come up with some sort of random prediction, right? Like, let's say Blanca is going to beat Ryu on Chun-Li's stage. And then you have the best two Street Fighter players play. One is Blanca, one is Ryu. And then if the Blanca wins, then the people that bet on the market that you set up, that you built, would win all the Blanca money. Did mm -hmm. I get that right? I think so. And shout out to all my Blanca players that yeah. use Blanca. I know one guy who uses Blanca really well, but he says Blanca when he picks them. And I say, <laughs> that, that kind of... You know, it kind of just <laughs> negates you being good with Blanca. Because you Shout out Blanca. to Blanca for being from Brazil. Absolutely. True I'm that. sure he'd, he'd shout out back to you by going... Brazilians <laughs> are offended by that, by the way. Like, Why the fuck is it like that? Does it look like that? I'm like, yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> um, 
sorry, on a more serious note, I guess, um, pr- prediction markets are used to predict things like elections, um, football scores, football individual statistics for individual players in football games. Um, also, that lame football called soccer, you can make predictions there. What? And then it's then it that worldly soccer. Yeah, yeah, maybe I should take that back. <laughs> we have worldwide appeal. I mean, the greatest football of all, <laughs> soccer. <laughs> Me. Um, and uh, you can make all sorts of predictions, and basically, it's just kind of like you gamble. You you uh, you go with the team that wins, you win money. You go with the team that loses, you lose money. But if you are the builder of the market, then you get a little bit of money regardless. So I'm into it. Yeah, I'm going to make all sorts of predictions, dude. I want to predict that Hillary Clinton gets caught cheating in the Oval Office just like Bill Clinton did. <laughs> With a young male intern? With a young male intern. No, nah, it's still going to be a young female intern. Yeah, that would be the funny. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what in it? Oh, man, it'd be awesome if it were like related to Monica Lewinsky somehow. Like her second cousin. <laughs> That's be amazing. Anyways, all right, guys, we're uh, we're, we're coming uh, towards the close of the year. So uh, what that means is major milestones. So before the end of the year, we're gonna hit a hundred million transactions, and we've already mined fifteen million Bitcoin. So that's pretty big. Yes, very big. This year, this past uh, Black Friday, we saw the highest volume of Bitcoins traded in a single day. It was 2.86 million. That's over $1 billion based on the average day's uh, exchange rate. So that's huge. Yeah. it Bitcoin's growing up, man. It's growing up fast. Yeah, I saw a post on Reddit the other day that says Bitcoin is in the is in the age of practicality. It's, it's kind of gone past all the... Uh, starter stuff and entry bubbles and whether or not it's going to be successful and then now it's just a matter of like things are coming out where it's practical and useful and it's only going to continue that way mm-hmm. and we're seeing that kind of at the end of this year and this next year is just who knows it's going to come out that's going to be useful and practical yeah it's 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 going to be phenomenal man I'm, I, I can't wait and see like that's and now I'm just getting impatient yeah yeah. Well, right now it's, it's following the adoption curve of like other other disruptive technologies, um, and then I'm, I'm reading here that 2015 was the most active year yet for the Bitcoin blockchain. I'm pretty sure 2016 will be bigger than 2015, and it's a good time. It'll be exponential. It's going to be it's going it's going to be exponential and in, in, in this type of thing. It's and it has been. It's just now we're starting to hit that that fast part of the curve of exponential growth where things start happening really quickly and then faster and faster and faster. Yeah. You know what I hate though? There's always that one douchebag on the Reddit comments that whenever somebody tries to post a milestone for Bitcoin, like, oh, 100 million transactions, that's the big deal for, you know, a network that started from nothing. And then there's always that one douche that's like, meh, Visa does that many transactions in a week, meh. And it's like, dude, get the fuck out of here. Nobody's, nobody's talking about Visa. Well, welcome to Reddit. Yeah. But I mean, does he understand that like what gives the network its strength is the user's acceptance and trust? And when he's being a dickhead like that, he's he's not you know progressing Bitcoin. He's just you know trolling. Like what are you doing? 
yeah. It's like, dude, go away. Just, <laughs> just go crawl back into that hole and shave your neck. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, Bitcoin's doing big things. In 2016, I think it's going to be an amazing year and something that people always kind of keep in the back of their head. I think it's going to be an amazing year for the price. I think the price is finally going to start trying to chase that difficulty that keeps increasing and increasing and increasing. And, well, what's uh, happening like when, 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 when the disbursement halves, then it becomes, we're going to see a lot of, diff, we're going to see a lot of, a lot of change with the difficulty because some mining configurations may not be viable anymore because they're not getting enough. But that also depends on whether or not the price price goes up. The price goes up and it still becomes viable, then the price jumps up a lot mm-hmm. because a lot of the mining companies aren't getting a, a benefit if it stays in the current price. Yeah, and I think. I'm curious to see how, how that affects price and difficulty over the, like the, next, the months after that it has. It's playing that supply-demand symphony. And hopefully, you know, it's a good one. Where, you know, price goes up, you know, to match the level of computation going behind it. Because like you said, it's going to be more difficult. What, they're only going to get 12 and a half now? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Man, I know the miners are staring at that, uh, what, the Bitcoin clock. Just like, oof. Well, who so knows? It's Maybe real. Well, the the big ones. It, it may end up being a lot more centralized because the smaller companies can't afford to do it, or the opposite. I'm not exactly sure, but somebody's going to have to drop out because it's no longer affordable. So they'll turn their machines off, and the difficulty will plummet, which means that it'll make it more viable for like the people who are stay on the network become much more, I guess, or the same amount of profit from their from their company. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, whether or not the big guys win who have these giant you know, server farms mining Bitcoin or the little guys win because the server farms can't afford to stay on. Yeah. You know what I think they should fix with Bitcoin, though? They should find a way to incentivize nodes. Yeah. Uh, 21 computer. Should... Yeah. Is that incentivizing nodes, though? Because that kind of, I mean, it's attached to 21.co or whatever they call themselves, 21. I don't know. Like, whenever they find a block, I think it's divvied up amongst all the people that have 21 computers. I don't think that's the way it works. Well, I'll take that back then. I need to do my research. But I do know that... um, I don't think it's minuscule. They're just running a node. They're not mining. Like having a computer isn't for mining. You can mine to test things, but it's just for holding a full node. It's for holding the blockchain and verifying things. It's just it's, it secures the network without having to try and mine bitcoins. There's a difference between yeah. running a node and mining. I know, but I think there there should be just at least some incentive to run a node because basically you're volunteering your energy, you're volunteering your power. To secure the network, but unlike miners get paid to not volunteer, you you're just wasting money. It seems like. Yeah. I don't know. That's just an idea. I, th- I think there is something like bitnodes dot something 
where they will incentivize you to run a node, but I don't think it has that many. Let's look into it. Put it on a show. Yeah. Um, the show. Other than that, yeah, Bitcoin's doing huge things. I think the Winklevise ETF needs to drop soon. I need to get them on the show. Yeah. Come on our show, Winklevi. Well, you know how 2016 is going to be a huge, huge year because uh, we have uh, Emojin Heat on the show. Mm. And um, Nigeria just banned credit and debit card use for um, international use. So now Bitcoin is like the thing to do in Nigeria. Really? Yep. Uh, the, they banned credit and debit cards, uh, I guess, because obstacles that Nigerian importers face. So it creates an opening for Bitcoin, and uh, it can facilitate the flow of money in the other direction. So uh, we need to get Tawanda back in here so he can tell us about all that. That'd be a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see if he's available. You know, it's a... it's. It's just, it might be a weak attempt, but it just counters the flow of, of foreign exchange abroad. And um, Nigeria's foreign exchange reserves, have, they've been in decline and stretched increasingly thin. And um, Tawanda was trying to, you know, fight against that. But 2016 is going to be a great year for Bitcoin and for us. So, yeah, absolutely. So, since we had a little shorter roundtable, do we close it out? Yeah, let's close it out. All right. Yeah. So, you guys know the drill um, on Twitter at the BTC podcast. That's how you can contact us on Twitter, on Facebook, the Bitcoin podcast. Um, yeah, try and hit us up on Facebook. Like, I feel like I'm on Facebook a lot looking at baby pictures and stuff. And I'd rather be on Facebook like, well, wait, let me not offend any family and friends. Mm, I want to talk to my fans. I want to talk to the people that listen to my show. Okay, I love babies, but I want to talk to to people that listen to the show and maybe see what we could do better for the show, better for you guys. Also, zapchain dot com slash z slash just two guys. Uh, we'll obviously put a link in there. You can hop up on there and get paid bits to hang out with us. Yep, it's just like a college fraternity. You pay for your friends. Oh, burn. Damn. <laughs> Can I post a picture of my daughter on Facebook and then you just comment, not interested in all caps? Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to see this baby. <laughs> I'll put it on there immediately if you do it. <laughs> Don't care. And do the a Kanye shrug. Care. Put a Kanye shrug. Like, <laughs> don't care. Um, what else? Let's see here. Um. Oh, uh, we are thinking of going to two a weeks. Please chime in and let us know if that is something that you would enjoy. If you would tune in, if you want more of us than just once a week, let us yeah. know. We'll bring the thunder too. If we go two episodes a week, it's gonna be two badass episodes. I'll tell you that much. Because so. we're badasses. Um, also, am I missing anything? The website, of course, the Bitcoin podcast.com. Uh, you can go there for resources. We have a news page where we get news that streams in from around the interwebs and just headlines and things of that nature. There's a Q and a on there, but that uh, is a, is a, is a ghost land at ghost the moment. Town. 
Uh, you can ask Corey questions if you like. And we, I think we've taken it all the way down to you could just ask him stuff like, what kind of toothpaste does he use? And he'll answer that for you. Sensodyne. Don't need to ask that anymore. <laughs> Sensodyne? Sensodyne? I got weak ass teeth, man. <laughs> that caught me off guard. I was like, that's. Uh, you don't have, uh, what are those things? Dentures? I'm going to. I will have dentures when I'm like 35. Mm. <laughs> so if you eat a popsicle with your front teeth, will you just like, just crumble to the ground? Can't Maybe. handle it. Do you no, react? not like that. It's not like cold and hot. It's just they break. <laughs> oh, no. I can't like I can't eat like hard candy or I'll just crack my teeth open. So Jolly Dude, you're, you're are like, MMA. If you catch every, a Holly Holm to the to the mouth, I'll be like a happen? cartoon and spit my teeth out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally, I have a cavity in every single one of my teeth. Dang, oh, a filling. I have a filling. Dude. So, like, if somebody pulls out Jolly Ranchers, do you cripple, like, Superman when somebody yeah. pulls Kryptonite? Yeah, when like, I was young, I used to, like, brush my teeth with candy canes. I mean, I didn't – I did just sugar all day every day, and I paid, <laughs> I, now I pay the price. <laughs> what do you mean you can't brush your teeth with Jolly Ranchers? Of course mm-hmm. you can. Anyways, um, got a little off topic there. Yeah, two episodes a week. We'll bring it to you. We'll bring you guys the thunder. Uh, we could do that. And – did I miss anything? I feel like I got everything. Yeah. And then um, next episode, Corey needs to kill those birds. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. I'd love to kill those birds, but. <laughs> He's in tropical Brazil. So. Mm, Brazil. It's exactly Brazil. what you think it is. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, what about my personal big news? Did you say that? I'm an uncle now. Hey, oh. Nobody cares. Oh, yep. You better go look at pictures of that, baby. Fuckers. No. Uh, I care. Uncle. It's a big deal. Anyways, um, let's close the show out. The outro.